Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. So last week we talked about episodes five and six, a shot and chaser of Daniel's poor behavior, and then a fun meeting <laughs> with the Asgard, who will be important throughout the series. Today we'll be talking about episodes seven and eight, Message in a Bottle and Family. Message in a Bottle premiered on August 7th, 1998, was written by Michael Greenberg, Jared Paul, and Brad Wright, and directed by David Worry-Smith. Family premiered on August 14th, 1998, was written by Catherine Powers, and directed by William Garrity. Message in a Bottle is a fun standalone, and family gives some resolution to Tilk's family. Arzu, would you please give us a quick summary? Yes. Also, excuse me if my audio sounds off. I do have a cold. So... Message in a Bottle sees the team going to another world and they bring back this little ball and they're like, cool, it's an artifact. And then they realize it's dangerous and they're like, we should send it back. And the ball is like, I don't think so. And staples Jack to the wall. And um, (laughs) then the challenge becomes first, how do we unstaple Jack? And second of all, how do we stop this ball from making everybody sick? And then family, as Chelsea said, gives a resolution to Teal's family. So Braytac comes back and tells him, hey, Apophis has your kid, so they all have to go to Chulak, right? Yeah. Yeah. They all have to go to Chulak and find out what happened to his son. Where did he go? There is drama. And <laughs> if you know me at all, you know I have some opinions on how Daniel reacts to this drama. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, let's start with our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, We've brought things back from all over the galaxy. One of them's finally snapped us in the ass. And your guess was that Jack was speaking about a device that they originally brought back from somewhere else, but they've had it for a while, and it's now finally causing problems. And you were very, very adamant about it being Jack. You were so adamant, and you were so wrong. It was was, was one of the Americans. I had that right. (laughs) It was General Hammond. It was one of the Americans, okay? One of the military guys. Almost close. It was about Jack. <laughs> sort of. Uh, I mean, kind of. I mean, it was about the device. Not that Jack specifically. Jack to the wall. Yeah. And your context wasn't right either. Because they have not had the device for a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Can't win them all. <laughs> Better luck next time. <laughs> I, I do really like that line though. Like Hammond says, he's normally like pretty tame, but he'll say random stuff like that sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Where did that come from? He just saves it up for when he's yeah. like got something he wants to express. Yeah. And um, there's this site that I use, I think it's from Wikipedia that has like transcripts of all the episode. And I was looking at this one and it was transcribed as. One just finally slap us in the face. I'm like, that's not at all what was said. <laughs> okay. Nope. Makes me wonder if whoever transcribed it did it from a dub, and that's what it says in the dub. Oh, maybe. Either that or they just. I like really that it's not slapped us in the ass. It snapped us in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> I like General Hammond. What does that mean? <laughs> He's used to people in the military snapping each other in the ass. Oh, is it like biting? Like it like it bit them in the ass? Yeah, I guess so. That makes sense. Okay, General Hammond, you need to be clearer. 
I was thinking like um, when you like wind up a towel and snap it at somebody. You're whipping it at somebody. Well, it makes a snap kind of sound, though. And I think we spent too long talking about General Hammond's ass. (laughs) Or not long enough. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Learning things about Chelsea today. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. So where do you want to start with this episode? Let's start with... Well, okay. While we're talking about asses, just one very inappropriate thing is that when they're talking about booby traps oh yeah the way i think it's teal the way yeah. just goes booby i snorted because i'm a 10 year old boy <laughs> oh well, he like because he doesn't know what the word means and then nobody explained it to him and i'm like how is he gonna learn all of these earth phrases if you don't teach him okay so my read on that was different um my read was that he knows what the slang is like he knows what booby is but doesn't see how it applies to this situation. <laughs> I mean, so he's like, it too. I'm confused. There's definitely confusion there. He's definitely confused, but I think he was like thinking like, I know what that word means and I don't <laughs> see how it applies to this. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I just thought the way he said it was funny. <laughs> yeah. It was so straight. It's just booby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was... um. It was kind of cool how the planet looked like the moon. So it's like, um, you know, Sam grew up wanting to be an astronaut. And so she still occasionally gets to wear astronaut gear. Yeah, I thought that was cool. But like, I mean, maybe maybe I'm misremembering it. But I don't think I remember a time where they've worn like space suits like that. Yeah. It happens occasionally throughout the series, but not super often. I just think it's cool that they didn't bother like designing something more sci-fi for them. They're just like, no, yeah. put on this Neil Armstrong outfit. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Okay, so Jack is speared through his left shoulder with mm-hmm. a piece of this orb. And I was wondering like what some of the science behind this was. For one thing, I thought it was interesting that they had a whole bunch of UV lights on hand. I'm like, is that common to just have that kind of stuff in storage? Like, how often do you need UV lights? Maybe they have, like, wider applications that they just have them so they can make them into something else. Hmm. I don't know. But really, the main, like, science thing that bothered me about this was when they're talking about lowering the oxygen level. So Carter says that they need to reduce the oxygen so that the organism won't be able to continue reproducing. And she says, Hammond asks her how low they're going to adjust it to. And she says, we'll start at 8%. And so this got me into a whole spiral of researching normal oxygen levels that people need to breathe (laughs) (laughs) because I like to go on spirals like that. And so I discovered that the normal amount of oxygen in the air that we breathe is 20.9%. And the minimum required for normal breathing is 19.5%. So it's not a big margin there. Right. And we need about 7.35% to survive. 
So going from 19.5 down to like 7.5, you're essentially having more and more problems with your body as you're losing oxygen. So it starts with increased breathing rate and impaired attention and thinking and coordination and you get exhausted and then you eventually like might start vomiting and pass out. So lovely. (laughs) Yeah. So when she says that they're going to start at 8%, I'm like, well, she has to be talking about percentages in terms of if we are talking about the 100% of oxygen that we need relative to itself and reducing that by 8%, that's the only way that it makes sense. Because if you're talking about the amount of oxygen in the air compared with like nitrogen, taking it from 20% down to 8% would literally kill everybody on the base. Yeah. She could also be dropping it 8%, so down to 11%. But even that, it's It's like... It's survivable. It says... So I looked this up and it's like at oxygen levels of 10 to 14%, you have faulty judgment, intermittent respiration and exhaustion and resulting in nausea, vomiting, lethargic movements and perhaps unconsciousness. So they may not die, but they wouldn't be able to function necessarily. And they're all walking around totally normal. I am willing to bet you put more thought into this than the writers did. (laughs) Probably. But I think I did because this is not the first show that I've seen do this. Where like, let's reduce the oxygen by 30% and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you have to be talking about it in terms of comparing, like, not comparing it to the amount of nitrogen in the air, but only talking about the oxygen specifically. Because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Probably. I feel like this is just a sci-fi thing to just say stuff. Yeah. Because I distinctly remember an episode of Star Trek where they're on a planet and they're walking around and they're like, this, like they're inside a structure, but they're like the surface temperature outside is like negative 300 degrees Celsius. I'm like, okay, but negative 270 Celsius is zero Kelvin, which is absolute zero where time comes to a stop. So that's wrong. <laughs> and I barely passed chemistry. And I know right. that. So. <laughs> right. I'm like, you guys are science fiction writers. You should have checked. You know, I so I've been watching the new National Treasure show on Disney Plus, and they have an episode where there's these two characters that are locked in the room, and the oxygen is slowly being seeped out of the room, and they have to figure out a way to get out before they pass out. It has a panel showing the percentage of oxygen in terms of like starting at 100% and going down, and they are actually getting significantly t- more tired as the episode goes on and like are having a hard time breathing and even standing up, they're like collapsing on the floor out of exhaustion. I'm like, yes, there you go. That's a great example of what it's like to have oxygen deprivation. I feel like I have seen that happen in other shows. I just feel like I don't see this same level of attention paid when it's science fiction. Which when is it's weird. Like, it's so weird. But when it's like an adventure show or like a police mm-hmm. procedural or a medical procedural or whatever, like so a science element to it, but it's not like a sci-fi show. Yeah. Then they treat the lack of oxygen very seriously. Yeah, but in sci-fi, it they're like, it's fine. No sci-fi oxygen. is supposed to be heavy on the side. <laughs> it's it's very sci-fi. heavy on the fi. Really? 
I mean, it's so funny how they, you know, different sci-fi media can talk about tachyons as as well as they possibly can, and they forget that having no oxygen will make you pass out. <laughs> they just, they honestly, sometimes they just say stuff. Like, I can't remember what Sam said in one of the episodes today, but she's she was, like, reading something off a computer. I'm like, I feel like everybody at sci-fi says this, and I feel like nobody can tell me what it means. Do you remember what she said? Hmm. I don't. I wish I'd written it down. It was, like, some sort of technical term. Maybe it was tachyon. I don't know. But she was, like, reading something off, and she's like, this is the statistic. This is the number The number of something or, like, a reading of something. I'm like, I feel like this happens all the time in sci-fi, and I feel like no, not a single person can tell me what that means. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like it's not a real thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's made up. and Well, like, the thing with tachyons, that wasn't mentioned in this episode. So tachyons is one of those things that's... Um, it, it in real physics it's something that exists in theory but it hasn't been observed and so sci-fi will take that and run with it basically and be like okay well since we don't know exactly what it is or what it does then we can kind of make up what we want it to do and same thing with like dark matter and dark energy we don't have a lot of observable stuff about about either of those and so sci-fi will just take it and run with it and make it up make up what it's for and so like they're real terms and they're real theoretical principles but they haven't actually been proven in real physics well all right yeah let's make this about star trek again but there <laughs> is one episode that this made me think of and um, because you said unprovable um where Picard was discussing some sort of math problem with one of the crew. And he's like, nobody will ever know what the answer to this is. And like a few years later, somebody solved it. <laughs> I'm like, that's cool. Cause they didn't know at the time, but also this is supposed yeah. to be like over a hundred years from now. Right. So <laughs> Picard's just not up on his mathematical knowledge, I guess. I'm sorry for the so. Picard slander. Maybe if you can think about it as like, um, in his reality, nobody had figured it out, but somebody went back in time and figured it out, you know, or something like that. You can find some workaround for it to make sense. Or he's just so busy reading books from, like, no earlier than the 1960s. This just <laughs> is mine. Well, he had to start at the beginning of history, right? So it's taking him a while to get through to the end. Okay, I could, I could just wax poetic <laughs> about how much their pop culture stresses me out, but let's just move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so I got a little bit obsessed with the uh, researching oxygen levels. Um, <laughs> Which is fine. But, but I didn't, I wrote down the term necrotizing fasciitis, and I did not go on a rabbit hole for that. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that term before, but. That sounds more like a real thing, so I was less compelled to research it. I think it's like rotting skin. Well, it's called flesh-eating disease. There so we I, go. Yeah. But I don't is know. my favorite show, for those who don't know. So <laughs> That's probably where I've heard it. Probably. I do think it's funny that the solution to the disease, the sickness that the, the ball is emanating is antibiotics. <laughs> because I had two questions. I'm like, one... Did an Iranian person have anything to do with this? Because the solution to everything is antibiotics. <laughs> and second of all, did Big Pharma pay for this? Because the solution <laughs> to their problem was antibiotics. I just thought that was interesting. 
Yeah. That's interesting. I'm like, why antibiotics? And I mean, I know it's easy because they can all take it and therefore right. function. Mm-hmm. And then that one poor unfortunate lieutenant is like allergic to antibiotics, so he can't take it. And that adds like stakes. So I get right. why. Yeah. But I think it's funny. Also, Teal telling Jack, he's like, oh, the, you know, the gold keeps him safe. I'm like, so can you take antibiotics? (laughs) Like, what would happen if you did? Probably nothing. It'd probably be like taking a sugar pill or something, I would assume. Or would it kill the gold? I doubt that. Somebody give him some antibiotics and let's see what happens. (laughs) I don't know that that would work. Because, I mean, even if it did kill... The larva, he would still not have an immune system, so that wouldn't necessarily. I mean, that's not going to stop him from being Jaffa. Yeah. Okay, fine. I thought you were about to talk about Tilk's line. Which line? The undomesticated equines. Oh, no! But I did like that. I like that he made a joke. (laughs) Yeah, I like their whole scene, like the little. The little moment between them, I, it made me realize I don't really get enough time with the two of them. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, Tilk is showing like how good of a friend he is. Like, he didn't leave Jack's side the entire time. So it was really sweet. Yeah, it was really cute. I was all about that. I did like... Uh, you liked this too, I saw. But um, Daniel's delivery of like, oops, anyway. <laughs> that like, poor lieutenant who got embarrassed. Daniel just being a bit of a shit disturber. <laughs> Not intentionally. Uh, no, the way he said oops was 100% intentional. <laughs> it was pretty funny, though. It was extremely funny. Yeah, I just feel bad for that lieutenant. And it's like, I'm sorry, kid, but I don't think you have a chance with her. She's not only probably 10 years older than you, but... Uh... <laughs> but Jack... I- I don't think, she, yeah, I, I think she's more into older men than younger men. <laughs> I will say, because you brought it up for once, not me, um, that while Jack was having his whole, like, I'm dying moment and, like, mm-hmm. crying and stuff like that, I'm like, this would have been a great time to tell Sam that you love her. Yeah. And I didn't get that. <laughs> Just a little So close. It, like, it was so perfect because they had him, like, I know he's going to be fine. Because mm-hmm. even if we don't know that we're getting, like, eight more seasons, like, we have the rest of this season. Yeah. And he's a main character. So I'm like, he's not going to die. He's fine. But he's having all this, like, moment with Teal. I'm like, this is where you get Sam in the room and be like, I love you, <laughs> Dr. Carter. <laughs> Captain Carter? <laughs> I don't know what we're going with here. Yeah, I don't think he would call her doctor since he's military. I think it would definitely be captain. He would call her Sam. Because <laughs> he well, loves her. <laughs> anyway, I didn't get that. But that's okay. <sighs> oh, well. She, ha- she put her hand on his knee at the end, so I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yeah. I can get you a screenshot of that moment. Like, my eyes was like laser focused. They just snapped here. I'm like, where is your hand? <laughs> it's on his knee. <laughs> Blushing like a Victorian maiden. Like, <laughs> Oh, goodness. I did think it was very convenient that um, they had a primordial world already picked out 
to take the device to because it was like the next planet that they're going to visit like okay that's very convenient <laughs> i like that they just decided it's primordial i'm like go there and watch it like not be a primordial world but there's people there going wait right that's what i was wondering i'm like Can't how far they normally don't search more than like 10 miles from the gate i'm like what if there's a civilization just another 10 miles away from that and you're sending this orb through that's going to take over their entire planet. Messy, <laughs> messy, messy. Yeah. They don't really have a way to scan an entire planet and see if there's people living somewhere else. So I'm going to assume it's fine because I'm assuming the ball doesn't come back. No. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's fine. That could just mean that like, they think it's not safe for them to dial that planet because... And they might get reinfected or whatever. No, I'm going to tell myself it's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, this is not supported in canon. I'm just telling myself it's fine. Oh, okay. I was a little bit bothered by the fact that Jack, when you know, he got speared through the shoulder. And then when he gets that taken out of him, he's like completely healed and doesn't have a gaping hole in his shoulder. And I'm like, so does this organism have a way to like, rebuild the tissue? That Instantaneously, they... apparently. Yeah, really, really quickly. Boo. Plot holes. So many plot holes. <laughs> it's fine. It's not a plot hole. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, this is a really... I just, in general, think it's a really good episode, despite all of my complaining. Because it's just like a fun adventure. Yeah. And like fairly low stakes. Because like like you said, like you know that Jack's not actually going to die. So. So yeah, I would agree. Like a fun adventure. Not nearly enough kissing, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> we'll get some kissing in the next episode. Hey now. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but not the kissing I was looking for. Yeah, it's not Sammy Jack. I just wasn't like, don't tell me, but I really want to know if I'm going to ever get that. Because we had them engaged in a parallel world and they hugged. <laughs> so I'm starting to think that's just never going to happen. They're like, I've just signed up for a crack ship without realizing it. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, it's like the most popular Stargate ship. That only makes me feel slightly better. Because well, you're not slightly. alone. So. <laughs> but like... Raylo is the most popular sequel trilogy ship, and that didn't go well. That's true. So, like, That's true. <laughs> popularity doesn't equal me being happy at the end of the day. Yeah, you have a good point there. Oh, God, it's not going to end up like that, is it? No. One of them dying in the other one's arms, and then I cry for three months? Like, No, no. Because okay. <laughs> this show's going to go on a hiatus if that happens. No, no, no. Okay nobody nobody dies for real it's fine okay <laughs> it's good to know yeah we don't have any kind of ray low moment i don't think i mean at least it's not permanent if there is okay good <laughs> you know they die on. come back all the time yeah like death is not permanent in this show so star wars <laughs> if you're listening um death shouldn't stick so um can i roast daniel once before we move on to the next episode <laughs> sure okay so I was very surprised to find that when Sam was like stuck in the room and she's like, Daniel, I'm stuck. Help. That Daniel like immediately sprang to action. I'm like, you're saving a loved one. This is someone like you. Wait, which scene was that? 
It was like Sam when the when the thing like took over the computer and it like locked Sam in the office she was in, and then Daniel has to like that. bust her out. Why do I not remember that? It was like a very quick moment. Like it was over very quickly. Oh okay. But Daniel just kind of jumped to to action and busted Sam out of the office. I'm like, this is so unlike you. <laughs> You're helping people. Well, he helped that Shyla girl in the need episode last time. Okay, but like he was on drugs. No, that was before he was drugged. Okay, he thought she was pretty. That's what it was. <laughs> if she was ugly, well, he wouldn't have helped her. <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> It's true. It played the like <laughs> music and it was like through his point of view. And like if this had been shot in the 60s, there would have been like the soft focus on her face. <laughs> so that we know that he's like looking at her through soft focus. So <laughs> Michael Shanks, if you're listening, there's nothing personal. <laughs> it's mostly what the writers give him, so yeah, it's not it's not personal. <laughs> We love you, Michael. That's fine. I feel like in general, SG-1 just has, like, terrible, like, they don't get very good sleep. Because in this episode, like, Sam and Daniel pulling an all-nighter. And I feel like that happens, like, almost every other episode that they're pulling an all-nighter for something. I'm like, these poor people rarely get a good night's sleep, it seems like. Maybe there's, Maybe. like, weeks in between episodes and they just spend those weeks getting regular sleep. Well, that's what I was wondering. Like, maybe they normally only have one mission per week and so they can decompress after each one. Yeah, that would make um, sense, especially given how high stress these things are. Right. But then again, I'm thinking maybe it's two per week because they brought back this orb and then we're supposed to go on another mission, like, either the next day or the day after. Maybe they determine them based on, um, like, how stressful the last one was. Like, if they need a lot of rest. Right. That could yeah, be in that one, since all that they were doing was going to retrieve an object and come back. Like, it was deemed that they could go out again immediately. Yeah. Any other thoughts about this episode? Mm-mm. Okay, so I feel like you're going to have a lot to say about the next episode... You can't see her. The Arsu is like pumping her hands in the air, <laughs> mouthing the word drama. Because it's romantic drama. It's the best yeah, kind of drama. That's true. <laughs> okay, so they go to Chulak to rescue Ryak. And once again, it seems like Braytag is not that great of a friend. Because he didn't know that Teal'c's wife, Dreyok, got remarried. Or did he know and he wanted the drama? <laughs> That's I one take. Before we jump into the, the drama on Shulak, I love... No, I don't love... I had this moment at the beginning of the episode where they were trying to figure out what was going on. And Sam's like, well, Apophis is dead. And I'm like, Apophis is dead? And then I'm just going, what did I miss? Like, I wasn't paying attention. I felt so stupid. I'm like, how did I miss them killing Apophis? Oh, my God. And then I'm just, like, rolling with it. And then Braytac shows up. He's like, so Apophis has your son. I'm like, oh, Sam was wrong. I wasn't wrong. (laughs) Well, they thought that he was dead because they blew up his ship. 
yeah, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure Apophis isn't dead. But then she said it with such conviction. I'm like, I guess I was wrong. Why did you think he wasn't dead? I think because I thought, like, if he was dead, then, like, the structure of the show would have fundamentally changed. Like, if, if he was dead, that it would have come up by now, like, very significantly. We wouldn't still be doing the same thing. Like, I was thinking of it from, like, a like a writing structural point of view, not from anything I'd seen on screen. Okay. Interesting. I was, I was thinking like, maybe you forgot about the season opener. Well, like... Like we we know that like I didn't have the easiest time following the season opener because it had been so long since I had seen the the finale from season mm-hmm. one, but just from like a structural point of view, I was like, if this was a modern show, sure, you've mm-hmm. killed Apophis, but I'm like, for a procedural from the '90s, it's like way too fast. So I'm like, right. obviously he's not dead. Yeah, it just seemed really easy. Yeah, I'm like Apophis is dead. I'm like, we've got like 10 more seasons of this what do you mean apophis is dead <laughs> well so, he's not gonna be the same villain for 10 seasons no i know but he's gonna be the, 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 the he's gonna be the villain for like several more seasons i assume so i'm like it's just it's way too early <laughs> with and it was like absolutely no fanfare they blew up his ship but like it was the season opener right unless you like physically see him die then it's like is he dead unless there's a body right they're not dead yeah. so I just thought that was funny. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, they go to they go to Chulak. Jack introduces yep. himself as Jack of the Windy City. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Which is very sweet. <laughs> so let's talk about this Teal'c. Not reveal, but him sort of learning that his wife is remarried. Mm-hmm. It just unfolds in such an unfortunately hilarious way. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, why are you here? You don't have the money for a house this big. And then the husband, whose name I'm blanking on. Frotech. Um, Frotech. Frotech's like, oh, this is my house. And he's like, oh, that's nice. You let my wife move in with you. <laughs> and or she's like, this is my house. And he's like, how? And then Frotech's like, this is my house. He's like, oh, so you just moved in with this guy, like, for him to keep you. Oh, that's good. Good to know. And he's like, no, 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 you're not understanding this. But it took, like, several beats for mm-hmm. me, like, she got remarried. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I kind of got the sense that the that doesn't happen very often in their culture. No, I don't think so. Like, not unless you are, like, properly, officially, like, widowed. Right. Because exactly. he, he didn't seem, like, upset that she had, like... I mean, he was upset she'd married somebody else, but he didn't seem, like, mortally offended at it. Like, she had committed some kind of sin. It was just, like, I don't understand why you remarried when your husband is still alive. Yeah. So. And they do have a named ritual for revenge when somebody has like cheated so <laughs> they're really monogamous yeah so i mean if they're that strict about remarrying and cheating and stuff then it probably doesn't happen very often no but i just i was not expecting uh like get your hands off my wife kind of episode <laughs> <laughs> that was a surprise yeah i understand why she did it yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, self-preservation. Yeah, especially in a world where, like, if your husband feels comfortable enough addressing you as woman all the time. Yeah, that really bothered me, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, I get the sense that this is not the, the most gender-equitable society. No. So. Yeah, I really didn't like to calling her a woman all the time. I thought that was unnecessary and doesn't really paint Teal'c in a very good light, necessarily. 
it's only cute when it's done affectionately and this was not affectionate yeah it was it was definitely talking down to her yeah which like teal turns into somebody else when he's at home Mm-hmm. he really does yeah i generally don't like the episodes where they go back to chulak because it really does seem like teal is a different person and like i get we all kind of regress when we go back home but teal yeah it's regress kind of in a good way well, like, yeah, like, going back and seeing, like, your high school friends and then getting back into the same nonsense that you did in high school kind of thing. But, yeah, it's really not a good look for him. No, it's not cute. It's not cute, Teal. Especially because he's only been gone, like, a year and a half. <laughs> so. Yeah. Which I guess is yeah. long enough for her to think, like, okay, he's dead, but. I'm not sure that she necessarily thought he was dead. It was just, like he's obviously not coming back right he's obviously not going to provide yeah you know which again does not seem like this society is overly set up for her to do that for herself anyway yeah so daniel's take on this i thought was very interesting because <laughs> he was sort of like preaching this out of sight out of mind thing to Teal'c. like uh-huh. well she didn't think you were coming back so can you blame her for like moving on and remarrying and like obviously when our spouse isn't in our immediate field of vision that we should just feel free to like do whatever we want and i'm like oh really okay well, he didn't say all that <laughs> yes he did he said exactly that i'm just like first of all daniel you shouldn't be giving anybody marriage advice ever second of all like i find it very convenient like again i see why she did it i get why she did it from mm-hmm. her point of view from daniel's point of view he seems a little too quick to be embracing this like well, her spouse wasn't around, so she just moved on with her life. I'm like, right. I feel like you're talking more about yourself, Daniel, but okay. <laughs> it's just like a little rich coming from you. If anybody <laughs> else had said it, I'd be like, yeah, they're right. But because Daniel said it, I'm like, mm. somebody's still feeling guilty yeah. about well, trying to marry that princess. I think what he said was that Tilk should be grateful to Frotak for taking his wife in. And it's like, hmm. So he's like, yes, we should be happy when people move on from their spouse who isn't immediately right in front of them. <laughs> I'm like, that's an interesting take to have, Daniel. Let's unpack that. <laughs> in your next therapy session. Which he needs, that. which I think they all need. Oh, they all need it, for sure. <laughs> in his next therapy session, he should really unpack why he was so quick to dismiss the idea of like caring about your spouse when they're not immediately right in front of you. Yeah. Poor Sheree. She deserves so much better. <laughs> she really does. Well, did you at least enjoy the kissing? It was pretty hot. Like, it was pretty steamy. I mean, <laughs> I was a little soured given his earlier behavior. That's true. But otherwise, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Frotac is obviously... I mean, I understand that Frotac was why he was mad because it's like, okay, now his wife is going back to her previous husband but to just turn around and immediately betray them seems like (laughs) really escalating the situation no that makes me think Mm -hmm. he wanted to marry her anyway and he saw that silk was in the way yeah yeah like maybe he had a crush on her before and she married silk instead of him and so now he sees it as like getting her back like, if he's taking it that personally, that's what I think happened. Because hmm. they were friends before. So maybe they were also, like, romantic rivals. Yeah, they, like, they knew each other, you know? Yeah. That's an interesting theory. 
I think that's a better explanation because we don't really get much of one. It's just like he's mad that his wife is kissing her previous husband. Actual husband? Yeah, I'm like... Because <laughs> they're not divorced. Well, I think they said something about filing paperwork or something. Paperwork? But... Yeah, there was Did a I really, really brief... It was a very brief mention. Okay, because I would have laughed very hard. I think it I was something that, that Frotac said. But then Braytac continued to call her Teal'c's wife, even after all of that came out. Braytac's <laughs> like, I do not recognize this divorce. Yeah. I do not recognize this second marriage. Yeah. Oh, here's the line. So Frotac says, when it appeared that you may never return, that you may indeed be dead, Drayok had her marriage removed. Yes, okay. So they did think he was dead. I feel like that was kind of an excuse. Like you go and file paperwork and say, can I have my marriage annulled? Because I don't know where my husband is. He's probably dead. Whereas, you know, I mean, I don't think she actually thought that, you know. Right. Like he might as well be dead kind of thing. Yeah. But in order to get the annulment, you have to have like a plausible reason. And that's like pretty much the only one available. Right. I don't really blame, blame Dreyok at all. I think she did what she had no. to do to survive. I think Frotak needs to get over himself a little bit. Like, I mean, what do you expect? Her her old husband comes back and you expect him to be fine with it? Like, there's a whole ritual. He clearly did. The way he was, like, possessively grabbing her, he's like, well, we're married now. I'm like, oh, fight, fight, fight. Like, somebody was clearly very <laughs> jealous. Uh-huh. And it wasn't, I mean, Tilk was jealous, but, like, but Frotak had his, like, he was the one who was on the defensive yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then they have to deal with Ryak being brainwashed and, like, man, it's, like, Teal'c and Dreyak really going through the ringer in this episode. He was super cute, though. Yeah. He's a cute kid. He's a cute kid. Very dynamic acting. Mm-hmm. I thought he did really well. I agree. I think the the separate beats of it all, like the the marriage drama, and then getting them to Earth, and then realizing that Ryak is brainwashed, the beats of it I thought were really cool because it felt like two episodes rolled into one. Yeah, that's true. So it kept a really good pace in that way. Yeah, which like I wasn't mad about. Yeah, but it worked very nicely. Yeah, I agree. It is nice that, like, Teal'c finally got some time to spend with his son and, like, be sweet and caring with him. And we're never gonna see him again. Well, what's weird is, so, like, at the end of the episode, Drak and Ryak go to the Land of Light from the Broken Divide episode. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's, like, plot points missing because about four years later we see Ryak again and he's been training with Braytac. So it's like, okay, obviously they're not staying in the land of light, but then also it doesn't seem like Teal'c ever goes to visit them. And I'm like, why? I like <laughs> Teal'c, but Teal'c's not a very good dad. No, he doesn't seem to understand the concept of like physically being there for his son. Yeah. I don't know. I, guess, I mean, I guess he could be visiting them off camera and like maybe on his weekends, he goes to the land of light and visits them but i guess i don't know there's certainly not an explicit like mention of that i don't know yeah 
I mean, let's go with that just so Tilt doesn't seem like a bad dad. Yeah. I did not like that their immediate solution to this child has uh, religious convictions we don't agree with was let's do electroshock therapy about it. Well, that wasn't their first attempt. Like their second. It was like they came, they jumped to that real quick. And then Daniel, to his credit, I know I don't give him credit very much, but to his credit, he's like, that's a bad idea. And the doctor's mm -hmm. like, actually, it's done safely now. I'm like, back it up, lady. <laughs> we don't electric shock therapy kids. No. Or anybody. Yeah. Especially kids. Yeah. I mean, in this case, it's kind of making the argument that since he's a Chava, because he does have a larva gold, that he's not going to be seriously harmed from it. But yeah, it should definitely still not be the first <laughs> thing you try. That should not have been an option, though. <laughs> I'm not sure what else would have done it. Maybe some kind of medication. But yeah, I mean, I don't really know enough about the science of undoing brainwashing. I mean, I don't know much about electroshock therapy. Other than that, it's a bad idea. But if what they needed was an electric jolt, they could have gotten one of those, like, the heart things. Oh, the paddles? Yeah, the defibrillator. Uh -huh. Yeah. One of those. They really want to electrocute this kid. That's the way to do it. Maybe they reasoned that the Zat gun stun blast is not as much of an electrical charge as the paddles would be. Maybe. And so it would do less harm overall. Because normally using the defibrillator would stop your heart. Yeah, but they could bring him back. Yeah. Plus the, the worm would keep him safe. Probably. I would assume. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. If their heart stops, can the ghouls inside them restart their heart? We should test that theory. <laughs> On I don't who? know how. I don't know. We should ask them. <laughs> Sure. Just like start tweeting at them all. Be like, by the way, could a gold restart your heart? I don't know. I feel like it would be not so much restarting the heart as not letting the heart be completely stopped to begin with. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like it just keeps you keeps you safe. Yeah, like it greatly reduces the heart rate rather than stopping it completely. Because I mean, when Tilk does his Kelnarim, his heart rate slows down to like one or two beats per minute. Right. So maybe it would be something like that. They just like go into Kelnarim or something and then they'd eventually like wake up. Yeah. Point is, ECT should not have been the first thing we jumped to for a child. <laughs> I mean, it was okay in the end, I guess, but yeah, it's very questionable. Yeah. I was interested in the fact that Frotac is forehead brand was silver and I don't know that we ever see that before or after this and I'm wondering if it's like a mark of him being in like a different career path essentially he painted it silver so he could feel more like Teal'c <laughs> that's what it is I was thinking that because he seems to have he has some kind of job in the palace and he mentioned how he works in, like, the Hall of Records or something. Like, I wonder if he's some kind of historian or maybe even a priest on some level. And that's why he has a different color marking. Priest would make sense because I feel like archivist is too niche a job for them to have a whole different color. Yeah. Whereas, like, clergy usually have a different way to denote themselves. Right. So that would make sense. 
Yeah. And maybe he doesn't do necessarily a lot of the normal priest rituals, but he's like part of their guild. Kind of well, thing. a lot of in history, like a lot of like a lot of libraries and records and archives are maintained by priests. Yeah, that's true. So it stands to reason that they have the same thing going on. Yeah. He is a very buff priest. I mean, listen, he's got time to lift. He never <laughs> skips arm day. No. Lifting all those books. Yeah, you know. Gotta lift the books. He's gotta lift other people's wives. You know. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> he's worried Teal's gonna come back. The minute he married her, he just started like really pumping iron just in case he had to fight Teal. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> There's that whole ritual. So that's probably why. I mean, he probably started pumping iron hardcore back when he had a crush on her, you know, before Tilk married her. And so he's just continued it just in case Tilk ever died. Because, you know, Tilk was the prime. Yeah. Which means that he would be in the line of death way more often than anybody else. So a high likelihood of him dying, in which case Frotak could sweep in and <laughs> and marry Drayok. So maybe it's just been part of his plan all along. Frotak had a like several step master plan yeah. that he put into action. Yeah. <laughs> it tracks. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting though, I mean, if he is an archivist, it's like yet another bookish character who's super buff like Daniel <laughs> Stargate's like I don't care how nerdy you are you're also <laughs> gonna be buff yeah <laughs> I mean I'm fine with that <laughs> okay let's see anything else from this episode I went through my notes I see in your notes that you have quotes I am sorry and this man is Canadian who I... are you talking about Fro Frotac Protac? Protac? I thought he was kidding. He's not. But clearly shooting in Vancouver made him pick up a bit of an accent because he's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, are you sorry? I didn't hear that. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Like, it's Canadian sounding man. It must be one of those things that you can pick up the Canadian accent better and like I could pick up a southern accent better. <laughs> Yeah, because I really did not hear that. Well, he's I mean, not even Canadian, so I don't know where that that came from. But Daniel's got yeah. a Canadian accent. Daniel's got a very heavy Canadian. I really don't hear it. it. <laughs> it's not a very heavy accent, but it, he does have one. I, yeah, I still don't hear it, but I'll I'll, I'll get I'll find some sound bites. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Be like, listen to this moment where this band sounds super <laughs> Canadian. Yeah, I'm gonna need some proof. Okay, so. The first episode of Message in a Bottle actually does pass the Bechtel test. Woohoo! Because Sam and Dr. Frazier are talking about the alien organism. And technically, that lieutenant guy is there, but he's not really part of the conversation. So I think it's fine. It's fine. He's in the room. They're not talking to him. It's okay. No. Yeah. So yay for passing the test. <laughs> yay! Uh, I don't think that's the case for the second episode, but that's no. okay. The second episode is a pissing contest. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's too much uh, testosterone going around to be able to pass the Bechtel test. Yeah, there's there was no way. <laughs> Do you think these episodes hold up for a modern audience? I think so. I think they both hold up pretty unironically. Yeah, I feel like the 
the family relationship drama is still like oh pretty accurate <laughs> yeah it totally works 100 <laughs> percent. i totally agree with that any final thoughts on either of the two episodes no no Next time, we'll be talking about episodes 9 and 10, Secrets and Bane, and you're welcome to watch along with us. Arzu, I think you'll be particularly interested in Secrets. Sam and Jack kiss? No! (laughs) But uh, I think you'll be very interested, and I can't wait to see what you think about it. I'm very upset that they don't kiss. (laughs) Well, you you told me you don't want to know if they kiss or not, so I I can't tell you. You ready for your quote? Yeah. Okay. You know, I can navigate myself across a galaxy, but I get lost every time I come to Washington. This could literally be anybody but Teal'c. Right? Um, Teal'c does not talk like that. <laughs> I I want to say Daniel because I feel like he's the one doing the like interpreting of the Stargate. Mm-hmm. Part of me is thinking Sam because that feels like a wild card, but I'm going to say Daniel. Okay. And they're in Washington and they're like overwhelmed and lost. Why are they in Washington? For a meeting. Okay. <laughs> They're there for a meeting. Generic, like, okay. <laughs> I like my non-Americanness is like I'm like, they're there for a meeting with the army. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean you can say a meeting with like the president. Oh yeah. <laughs> the president does live <laughs> in Washington. Yeah. Yeah, they have a meeting with the president and or the army. <laughs> and they're like all there and Teal because we're in a little hat. You do realize that they work for the Air Force, right? Okay, so the Air Force. <laughs> Not the Army. I almost said the Navy, but I'm like, that doesn't seem right. So I'm going to no. say the Army. So they it's work the for Air the Air Force. Force. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Good job. Yay! <laughs> it's military. It's all the they same. They work for Space Force. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, I mean, basically, because Space Force is located in Cheyenne Mountain, so. Is it actually? Yes, it is. Oh my God. Cheyenne Mountain is a real military facility. <laughs> and that's where Space Force is now. Well, then. Yeah, I think it used to be owned by the Air Force and they didn't need it anymore or something. And they sold us to Space Force. I don't know. But that, they've definitely been there for a couple years. Huh. Yeah supposedly there's like a janitor's closet that says Stargate Command on it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, um, in, it, in every like SG-1 episode where you see the outside shots of like Cheyenne Mountain and like the big gates and everything like that, that's real. That really okay. is shots from Cheyenne Mountain. But everything internal is set, obviously. Hmm. I feel like we should go there and see the closet. They're not going to let us in. Oh, no. I, so what, I, what I've heard is that it has its own exit on the highway, and they won't even let you take the exit if you're not military. Boo. So. We just want to see the closet. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't get anywhere close. Somebody send me a picture of the closet. Right? I'm pretty sure cell phones will not be allowed, though, so... One of the top brass who's listening to this, please send me a picture of the closet. They'd have to take it with an actual camera. That's okay. You can plug a camera into a computer. <laughs> but then that would probably like be violating all kinds of rules. 
I just want to see the closet. <laughs> it's not against the rules to show me the closet. Yeah. And um, they do they do occasionally consult the Air Force for the SG-1 episodes because there is a point in a few seasons where a real Air Force colonel or general that shows up in an episode. He just really wanted to be a part of it. I guess. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. Like, fine, I'll help you, but you have to put me in the show. <laughs> I mean, if I worked at Giant Mountain, I would absolutely be making references to Stargate all the time. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah. Okay, well, that's it for today. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I am at Arzu D2 everywhere else. So Tumblr, Instagram, Hive. Yeah, that's 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 me. The Geeky Waffle, you can find on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Hive. Are we on Hive? No, on Tumblr. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, on Tumblr. We are also at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where we have a lot of blog posts. Like, I write them. Chelsea writes them. It's an awesome site. You should check it out. And we are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. And eventually, we'll have some stuff on Patreon. I am putting together outtakes from the different seasons. So you can listen to our some behind-the-scenes hot goss. Subscribe to Patreon if you want to hear me blowing my nose. <laughs> you want me to put that in the audio? <laughs> I mean, you usually mute yourself when you have I to can, do that. I can so. blow my nose on mic and you can put it on <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Don't, don't subscribe if that's what you want. That's super weird. <laughs> that would be like, so like I have it where the, there's a little clip and there's a short tone. To differentiate it between the next clip that's coming. What if I just, <laughs> just change the tone? <laughs> yeah. Every time I see close your nose, it's time for a new clip. That's so abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny though. It would be funny. <laughs> oh man. I gotta stop laughing so I can close this out here. <laughs> Alright, thanks for joining us today and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.